When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cyberpunk Uncensored, and I am Rob Mulligan. Today, I have with me Eric and Phil. What's up, guys? Hey, doing well. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. So, yeah, anybody listening, you probably know Eric and Phil from numerous episodes of this podcast, also from the Cyberpunk Uncensored group on Facebook, and good friends, and also... Uh, Eric plays Coupler on the weekly Cyberpunk Red campaign that we stream live on the Mulligan Live YouTube channel. But um, but yeah, let's get into today's episode. I just you know we wanted to talk about cyberpunk environments. So just as a GM, you know how we envision and create and describe to the players and. And also vice versa, how players have have contributed to that. But just all all the different types of environments that, uh, you know, we've played and GM'd with when it comes to cyberpunk. And that includes, you know, from 2020 up through Red and then anticipating the 2077 environments that we've seen, whether it be in, you know, gameplay previews and promos or from the Dark Horse um, World art book. So let's get into it, guys. Um, Where do you guys want to start? I say we start kind of probably generally in 2020 you know maybe let's go over that stuff you what do you guys think well i think we should probably start on just the idea of like what is a cyberpunk environment because i think it goes all the way back to just that blade runner when you sort of first see that panning shot it's like that became what the sprawl was before sprawl even was a thing yeah no i mean to me i think now it's just there's so many different environments within the world of cyberpunk let alone just even in night city (laughs) you know but but you're right i mean there is kind of this general like genre of cyberpunk i guess is what you're referring to um rather than environments but like the genre that kind of you feel from that particular environment that's you know showcased in that film is definitely that dystopian dark future you know cybernetic high tech low life i mean that was the key phrase that kind of started it all right um yeah so I think that's that's the general vibe and and probably the overall blanketing environment that all the subcategories and, and details fall under. So that kind of makes sense. But yeah, that it um, describe it yourself. How how do you kind of picture that? When, when speaking of the general, you know, let's not. Well, get in the general is that thing of like you sort of have this humanity that is just it, like the combination of industrial and humanity just sort of thrust all into one very sort of small area and it just sort of keeps bleeding but you don't really ever feel that dispersion it's always sort of people cramped you get that almost uh like post-industrial london where the clouds are like sort of just black smoke and soot and just everybody is yeah. sort of perpetually angry i know it, just, I lo- it sort of has that vibe of like no matter what you do, you're never sort of getting into a place where you can feel clean almost. Yeah, yeah. No, and I love without getting into red too much how that even pushed that more, you know? But um that just that dirty the dirtiness. But I love how you said cramped. Because it totally yeah. has that feeling like that dark dystopian, like 
overpopulation. I mean, because like, face it, you know, the the birth rate outweighs the death rate, and you know, it takes it's going to take a lot of huge nat- natural catastrophes and things to happen to wipe out the population and rebalance that. But you know, we're we're heading towards cyberpunk. You know, if not the, movie, the if not the <laughs> if not the movie Idiocracy. I hate to say it, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but regardless, you know, it definitely, yeah, cramped. It totally feels overpopulated and like all the buildings are stacked on top of each other and like it's just filthy, overpopulated. <laughs> well, remember in the, the history, the collapse happened and many people died. There was actually less people in the country, but they all gravitated to the cities, to the city centers. That's you know, true. Humanity seeks out itself, so... When you overall, you've got these concentration these points, so to speak, like wherever it's all concentrated, you know. Correct. And then yeah. all the all this wasteland where there's like random, you know, neo tribes, so to speak, all these like nomads. You know, prior to Red, when they're running transportation fully, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's just sort of a human ideal of when sort of societies on the brink of collapse, they just sort of flood those cent- those city central kind of points, and then you have the other side of like then you have barren wastelands like you're saying and i think night city did a really good job of that of sort of being in that in-between area oh yeah and now it's just for 2020 that's what i love about night city is it has all the you know separate environment vibes and any anything you can picture like there's a section of the city like that or beyond the combat zone or within other districts around it but then totally beyond that i love how the whole wasteland vibe it, it takes you from that high-tech low life to almost like um you know post-apocalyptic vibe or like mad max meets the hills have eyes if you want you know <laughs> like it's it get, like you get out to the wastelands and i feel like it's spread out and it can get i don't know post-apocalyptic you know what i mean versus right, the high-tech those, those people out there are strictly in survival mode right they've chosen not to come to the cities instead of choosing to stay where they are and staying where they are means famine and disease, but it also means, hey, I'm going to have to survive the best way I can. And if that means eating you, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I picture yeah. like as far as the environments of that, it's totally like like you said, like very barren and cutthroat. And like there, there's obviously very little civilization, but, you know, because of the way the environments have been, all the wastelands are just that waste unless you come across like you know, a biotechnica field or a crop field or savoil doing some weird, you know, you'll, you'll come across right. some weird Greenland section, but I all, it's, it's always like fenced off in high security or like in a bubble or some shit. You know what I mean? That's how I, I always picture those right, environments. Right. Because they yeah. say as the environment changed, what was the Greenlands here in the U S moved North closer to Canada. So the, the green belt that we used to have is now the Brown belt and the green belt, because the environmental changes went north. Yeah. Yeah, and just in what the the 2020 rules and moving in the red, we get a lot of good environments of like they just start talking about what's going on in the South Americas and stuff like that. Like cuz that was a huge part of what actually led up to red, the South America wars and the pretty much the viruses that were destroying the crops and well the drug crops and a lot of the deforestation. Like that was one of the key points that they made about that. Yeah. So, and I think that opens up a lot of campaign ideas for like some of the biotechnical corporations that were using these new like jungles and trying to find new drugs or other kind of chemicals. It's like, 
I think that opens up a lot of options for where you want to take your setting other than the cramped sort of sprawl-like environment. Yeah, exactly. Like you can, you know, like Phil said, take it up to the new green belt, keep it in like the more desert, desolate, wasteland sort of brown belt, if you will, or, you know, go South America and change it up. Just like there's still overseas stuff. But as we know, going into red, things are way different. So like, let's get into Night City, the different environments and, you know, just how how rich the environments are with, with that filth and all that. And then obviously with post fourth corporate war and the nuke and, you know, all the nuclear fallout for, for decades and the red skies and all that shit, like, you know, it, it's, it's all those same environments, but now with like this red filthy hue and the rains that just have the toxic sludge in it and wash off stations like, like before cramped and pissed off people, but now they're wet and even more filthy and pissed off, you know, but let's dive into these different environments. I mean, let's start like the corporate areas and the, and the nice shit, you know? Yeah, well, the corporate area is like just sort of the pinnacle of what Night City is. I mean, people, when players are thrown into it, like yeah. you have everything there, even though players really aren't even allowed to be there because they'd be arrested. And... Right. No, edge runners, I mean, you know, or at least questioned heavily if they have armor and weapons and shit like that. But yeah, I picture yeah. like the corporate zones or whatever, um, you know, that, that sort of area being cyberpunk, <laughs> the, obviously the nicest areas, but on the verge of like sci-fi. Like when you picture corporate areas, you're picturing like huge skyscrapers and AVs flying around them. And like, you know, people dressed fucking high class and like futuristic looking, uh, like shit that you might see now, like on the runway, you'd be like, who would ever wear that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it just, it's almost on the verge of like the sci-fi feel of within cyberpunk. That's how I always picture the corporate zone, you know, like super well. In my corporate zone, I have uh, all these connecting bridges. You know, yeah. to, to, you know, come down to street level. So your AV pads are up on the roof. Your bridges are, you know, above the street. You can look down on them, literally look down on the populace and, you know, not have to be among them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think the corporate zone sort of has that, men- it sets the pristine mentality of like, you won't find grime and dirt. And I think that's sort of what you look at the art in just some of the uh, 2020 books you can see that edge in like they'll show those pristine settings but you also have those edge runners sort of creeping in on the the edge of there oh yeah like they'll talk about the gangs that are like sort of roaming but you don't ever really see them yeah and so no, it has this sort of many, false facade know, on it exactly and think of how many like solos you know work for corporations and fixers do business with corps in there and like you know there, there's edge runners coming and going in the corp zone but it's a little more toned down. You know, they're not walking in fully armed up and all that sort of shit unless they expect to get questioned by local authority or something, you know, but um, mm-hmm. or maybe not being allowed into some of the buildings unless they've got an appointment or something particular. Yeah, but, the corporate zone sort is that it feels like Disneyland, like our Disney yeah. world where everything looks so perfect, but you know, underneath you have like all the trash system, everything's going on this underground ton of tunnels. Oh, like no. people are sort of taken away into the back rooms before anything can happen. Yeah, it feels like future, you know, uh, Tomorrowland or Future Zone or whatever the fuck of, of Disney. But it, but yeah, it, it's still cyberpunk. You still know the corporations right. are shady and slimy and shit's going on. Somebody's probably getting tortured in a back room or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still cyberpunk. And in that vein you still live in that world and there's still the smog because of course with you know the collapse the epa probably went to shit 
uh, we can just do whatever we want. Now, the EPA is gone, so you still have those days where you have to wear a breathing mask to go outside. It doesn't have to be a full-on environmental suit, just a little something to, you know, keep your lungs clean. Yeah. And, I, and, I'll, and I often use that and say, hey, we have a red air quality <laughs> day, and my players then have to strap on, you know, breathing masks just to, uh, you know, not cough all day long. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, I've done be something worse similar. Spell checking your coughing. Yeah, I've I've uh, done something similar in a previous game where in the rain, you know, and it's it's a acid toxic rain when they were in Neo Angeles when we were first playing, and um, you know they all had to wear their slicks and you know worry about touching things without gloves and shit like that. But I I, I also want to add like corporate zone like very very always seems prestigious and you know sci-fi on the verge of that but definitely pollution definitely cyberpunk things are happening but it is that higher class area but going into red let's add the, the touch of flavor there which is you know a, a reconstruction of everything so i picture it all you know still big city shit you know uh, life is back in the city but there's a lot of new construction still going on that you know skyscrapers are still being added on and connected and it's and, and don't forget about the weather and the red skies so it's it's just still grimy but um but this area is still trying to be i don't know nicer than the other areas even though it's in that shit weather and post nuke fallout that's how i picture the the corp zone in yeah, red yeah. you know because they're going to be, like you said, in constant construction and also in constant cleaning. You know, you're going to have your drones, whether it be aerial or ground-based, who's always scrubbing the streets, always scrubbing the pathways, like constantly, because this red rain is, well, rain, it falls periodically. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's creating sludge, you know, going into yeah. all these uh, shops and buildings now in red. You know, you have to go through these wash-offs and stuff before you enter, so it's like... Like I said, like as if cyberpunk couldn't be more dark and fucked up and everybody pissed off and it's just being dangerous. Now everyone's like wet and filthy and pissed off, you know, so like it's even more. But um, but yeah, let's let's get out of the corporate zone and let's talk about, you know, the rest of the city. And it's funny because, you know, unless you're to me anyways, like. It, it, there's it's almost like you have the high class and the low class and then you step into the combat zone when it comes to classes and stuff in cyberpunk there's very little uh in between or easy life or middle road um and even well, though but, but then there's there. all these individual I think it's just and, but far let me finish what i'm saying though i feel like in these sections though there's individual environments that help sculpt that sort of level but but there's not necessarily like a getting out of it unless you're getting into the corporate zone, which is like the ultimate powers of the world of cyberpunk, really. But what were we saying? Yeah. Right. The line that divides the corporates from the combat zoners is like a pencil line. It's there, but it's super thin. And that's where I guess most of the edge runners exist. They they're not eating dirt for breakfast, but they're also not eating real meat either. Right. They're and they're hustling. Right they're not working. You know, they're, they're not working a nine to five and stuff. Everybody working normal jobs. I, I picture are, you know, hard up. You know what I mean? It's like no longer can you just survive running a fucking shop or working at the mall or whatever. You know what I mean? Like everyone's hard up. Everyone's booster ganging or doing something on the side or you're hustling hard like edge runners to, to get by a little better than living in a coffin every day. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you, you got to go the corporate or go big time, you know? Well, see, Rob, I think it's a little different. I think that 
they don't actually talk about the middle class very often. It's like we see the we see the low lives, we see the boosters and the edge runners, and they make up a small population. And we also see like the high class corpse, and they're another small population. But like we don't really hear about the day to day workers, the suburbans, like all that middle class is just sort of tucked away because I think we talked about before. It's like it's just not that interesting to put your those kind of characters in that setting. It's really weird. No, like I've see, read I, a few I, books, but I see that in in the source books and like in Night City and stuff. You know, there are like the middle class mega apartment complexes and shit like that outside. Like in, uh, uh, I forget, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was like, like Haywood. Yeah, but uh, well, that's more industrialized. But yeah, but it, my point is, is like it's still not nice. They're in these mega complexes that remind me of those pictures of those shitty ass huge apartment buildings that you see from Hong Kong and stuff. Like, the, like the, it's right. still, yeah, but it's still not. Li- but let me finish. Uh, but it's still not that middle class like white picket fence in a yard and you know two and a half kids in a house and two cars and th- like that shit only exists in my in, in my mind for like corpse and stuff and and i haven't read otherwise in that it always seems like everyone running shops and just working and stuff they're all kind of like hard up you know what i mean there's nobody like with that yeah. white picket fence and yard yeah, house the, shit the going on the, yeah. the whole leave it the beaver thing that as and then you know they remember yeah, they the called beavers. those those sections beaver bills Right. The, the TV show, so those are like the like the they're upcoming the corpse, like, yeah, lowest level corpse. You know, they're yeah. they're in their safe little be real. You can consider that middle class, people. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that is the middle upper middle class for the most part. Upper middle class, yeah. Well, because there's like a, that's always corpse specific too. So like they're always oh, coming yeah. up. Everybody, everybody's for some corpse like those big apartment blocks you uh, mentioned. For me, corpse owns some of those apartment blocks, and and the people there strictly work for that corp. You are the cogs in the machine. Like if you're working for Orbital Air, and they've got these like six buildings here, all you guys are working for Orbital Air in some, you know, from some from some fashion. Yeah, yeah. Those are like drone farms. It's just an easy way to keep the population in control. And like, yeah, they're struggling, but at the same time, they don't really have a lot of freedom to do anything. Like they're not gonna right. rebel against the corporations there because it keeps them fed and housed. It's like uh watching Dread, you see a lot of the people living in those huge multi tower buildings, but for the most part, none of them did anything. Like when the movie was going down, they just hid in their apartments and waited exactly. things they're out. They're normal people, yeah. But um but like, and and that also makes me think of this too, like there's also like I always picture like a couple different versions of that too, where there's like you know, this mega complex way outside on the outskirts, you know, almost combat zone-esque, but it's very, like, like I said, like those pictures from Hong Kong where it's, like, ratty, fucked up, huge 6,000 people, uh, 600 unit or whatever buildings, you know, these huge fucking mega complexes. And then I picture huge apartment mega uh, complexes in the city as well, like in certain suburbs, whether it be, like, Little Japantown or Little Japan, I don't know what they're calling it, or Little China. I forget what it's going to be in, in uh, red. I've seen in the book in 2077, and then obviously what it's referred to in 2020. But I picture those same type of mega complexes for some people that do live in the city. Same style of, of shit, like same size, but a little bit nicer. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. still not middle class, but st- still kind of rough. Like no no one's making a shitload of money or anything when they're living like that. But um, but I, I do picture at least like two different kind of versions of those apartments, you know, like. Well, you're going to have like the different class tiers, especially when it comes to the middle class, because that is a huge area of like kibble to filet mignon almost. Yeah, well, I mean, 
Yeah, filet mignon. I mean, that's you're corping if you're <laughs> if you're getting real <laughs> real fucking meat and steaks and stuff. But you're um, corping if you even know that word. You know what I mean? But um, but I think like let's talk about the environment. What I like about Night City too, like when it comes to like the different districts you know, lower than the corp, like super nice zones or whatever, where like cops will still show up. They still give a fuck about what's going on in the city, but there are a little bit more gang activity here and there. You know, you, you got shops, you got restaurants, you got this and that. But I love how there's, like any city, the different sections. Like when they have the the park in Japantown, and I always just picture exactly like what you would think there with the rooftops, very styled like that and, and uh you know, dragon designs and like neon shit, like very, very Asian focused, you know? Yeah. And then it's a cultural enclave. Right. Yeah. And and just like they have little Italy, you know, like I picture that, like obviously a lot of Italian restaurants and like, you know what I mean? Like more, uh, I don't know what you, what you call it, but like those, um, narrow apartment, uh, brownstone. Sort of like the brownstones. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like the brownstones. So, I, I love that Night City has that. Like, even when you have the lower levels or whatever, the environments are at least rich with different cultures. Like, they still held on to that sort of stuff, you know, just like now, like how cities are, you know? Exactly, yeah. because that stuff is not going to go away just because, you know, the world turns to shit because culture progresses. I mean, people will take it with them unless, you know, that people are completely wiped out all at once, which will never happen, so all the Italians are going to, you know, build, you know, little Italy's and all the Asians are going to go from Japantown or little China or all yeah, of that. If anything, the, those cultural groups are going to actually become sort of more stronger and sort of actually grouped together more. So you're going to see more of those kinds of situations because of the problems hopping up around them. Yeah. Definitely. It's like, but this is just Night City. Like we haven't even really looked into what's going on in the Euro books because Cyberpunk they release so many. It's like right. I think there was two Euro books and just one for the UK. No, and look at how they they lightly poked at in the timeline with the Red Starter Kit and some of the lore going into 2077 about you know post Fourth Corporate War how much shit changed. You know, so like yeah, it, there there's going to be a lot. I think a lot of. Uh, you know, a di- different environments when it comes to alignments of corporations and powers and subsidiaries and all these neocorps and stuff. So that's going to change. But I think the ac- the environments when it comes to like um, aesthetics of parts of cities and cities, those will always kind of have this same cyberpunk vibe and then be within districts, I think. With the exception of what, what I love, what they do when it's not culture based, you know, when it comes to like the marina or the docks or the combat zone or shit like that, you know, they'll have stuff like that in there where it's not necessarily a culture, but it's a complete fucking vibe. Like when I picture the docks and the way they describe it and the different things going on there, and obviously the fun we had it in the in the recent game, Eric, but um, uh, you know, very like uh, pirates or very gangs or just dock workers or import exports sort of shady shit could be going on or like smuggling. Like it just, I just love the aspect of it, of having like the port aspect, you know? Yeah. It opens up a lot of different opportunities because no two ports are really alike. They can be doing the same thing, but they can function very differently. It's like, I think in the red, in the 2020 night city book, there are like two different ports of the port that have different, very different ways of operating. Correct. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in red, but we know that in uh, 
2077, just based on that art book and some of the stuff we went over in there, that there's still, you know, the marina and the docks going on. But then there's also the the whole Arasaka beach or whatever, that whole port yeah. that they took over. So there's some cool, cool kind of crazy shit going on there. And then they own the part of town that's behind there pretty much, you know, and they kind of run that with their gang or something along that line I've been reading about. So I don't know, like I'm curious, I'm, I'm really curious when full red, I mean, I know we've got the beta rules read, but it doesn't dive into a lot of the lore or the specifics. It's very, you know, it's the rules. So that's Just awesome. Just have some patience, Rob. Yeah, yeah. He'll come. He'll you know, come. I'm saying like we can play and we can kind of improvise a lot of the environment and stuff, and I can make stuff up. But I'm excited for when Red officially comes out and see what other source books and just kind of see exactly what is happening around the city and how it, how it's, I don't know, explained and or you know, all the adjectives they use. <laughs> that'll be good for me because I love flavor. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a big flavor guy. Like, And when you go into, like you say, uh, Little Italy, you got the mafioso types, but they're, you know, they're, they're a gang, just like any other gang, but they're, they're chill. They're, you know, they're laid back. They're not going to show their, you know, true face unless you do something to force them to do that. Unlike, you know, you go on, you meet, you know, Maelstrom, who are quite obviously a gang and will beat you down just because you look at them funny. Right. Yeah. That's something I haven't thought of, of how you actually put your players to act in the different sort of environments of pretty much saying you have to go meet somebody in Little Italy or like Little Japantown. Like, are they going to be going and trying to be bosses of everybody, intimidating, or are they going to try to play it cool? Precisely, precisely. You have to play to your audience, I guess you'd say. I mean, as far as your PCs. Hey, we're going to go into this area. We have to look like this or we have to act like that it's not just hey i'm a jerk wherever i go no that no, exactly get you shot. no it's <laughs> it's ultimately up to the players to you know act accordingly and to role play depending on their environment and stuff but obviously if they're not catching the hint of the environment then that that's where you have you know rewards and repercussions you know like if somebody's going in all murder hobo or loud and obnoxious or intimidating in a situation that doesn't require it or going into timid and talking in an environment where people are violent, you know, then obviously you've got to you've got to react as a GM and kind of give them some repercussions or at least some changes in the environment so they get the hint or they understand where they're at. You know, yeah, I think exactly. I, I think it's a good learning experience for players and lets them sort of stretch their legs and try new things instead of just sort of thinking I just can go in and kill everybody. Like yeah. it, t- it removes that mentality of like, I just, there's more than one ways to skin a cat, essentially. Well, not just that, you know, speaking of environments, like it just reinforces the fact, because it is a fact that there's different environments and sections of the city and districts and vibes and all that shit. And that's, you know, why we're talking about environments and, you know, if a, a player or even a GM or whatever, just kind of blanket environments, the whole fucking city with this rowdy cyberpunk shoot em up vibe everywhere all the time, then it's really not what it should be you know no they're treating it at that point like a video game instead of a living breathing environment right and i think i have some of the cyberpunk books i've read and just the movies i watched like you can go around and like they don't just show like the sprawl they take it from like the suburbs you'll see the countryside you'll see the waste and it's like you sort of realize that the world is more than just the cramped sort of blade runner feeling that's what i actually liked about the 2049 movie 
you got to see a lot of different aspects of what the world was. Yeah, you got to see what was left of Vegas, essentially. Yeah, I think me and you talked about that before. I think that was like the coolest part of that movie, like compared to the original or whatever. I was like, oh, like I, I needed more. Like it felt like a very um, isolation piece, if you will, even though it's totally not. But it had the feeling of like minimum locations and it was just a very narrow story and I wanted so much more out of it. I wanted to, I wanted it to feel bigger like what I loved about when the series altered carbon came out or like the original blade runner. But I think when you talked like the coolest part was when he traveled out like that scenery. Cause it was like, ah, oh, you know, just it, it felt bigger at least at that moment. Like there was just, you, you got to feel for like the wasteland and there's still people out there doing shit. You know, there's still some shit going on. And I think yeah. it's important that your players know that, hey, there's more stuff out there. Maybe we ought to go see it, or maybe we can go see it. You don't have to go, but there's more stuff out of here than, the, you know, corporate tower dungeon crawl. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, the corporate books, too, they did a really The last two books for 2020, I think, uh, what was it, Shockwave and Stormfront, they did a really good job of, like, making the players branch out because they were active during a corporate war. And you can take them underwater. You can take them like across the world. They really open up a lot of different options to see the cyberpunk world before it essentially ended in there. Yeah. And that you can do bottle episodes like where the players are stuck in a small area. Look at Dread. They did that really well, and that was just one huge building. Right. Or the movie Hardware with just what two apartment buildings. Yeah. And that was a really good. Twenty years. Exactly. If it was a good movie, though, and you remember it still. So, it's like, you don't need these really huge settings to tell a good cyberpunk story, but you sort of have to have the story in the world and make it feel like it has a cyberpunk world. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, definitely. But it also, like I said, when it came to Blade Runner and the new one, it was it also has to do with expectations because it is Blade Runner. But, oh, yeah. That, that was so many high expectations. I just, just a, couldn't just live a, up to it. That's just a different you know, beast in itself. Like they, they needed to go a little bigger and broader with it. Um, they need to show, show off more of like city stuff and, and night market and cybernetics. And, you know, they just need, they just needed a little bit more of all that juicy fucking, all the bells and whistles to go along with the, with the cool story and the wasteland and the travel and all the other deep stuff that they did, you know, but, um, but that's just my opinion, whatever. Um, but yeah, the other thing aside from like the docks, which I, I always love the the vibe of that and how there's so many different things you can do with it, is like obviously the the, the infamous combat zone. Like I I love how the combat zone can be used for just any rowdy, rough, grimy shit that you need, and it's just like where you can go to be violent or sleazy or shady or mysterious or just anything because it's just you know, no, no police. I was about to say no authority, but there's always authority in everywhere you go. There's somebody trying to be a boss. Yeah. Yeah. But no police, you know what I mean? There's not a police presence, uh, going around, you know, protecting you, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, The combat zone. You still have to mind your P's and Q's because there are no police and, you know, the feudal Lords that run it has very specific tastes on, you know, how you, how, and you, how and when you should come into their area and what you should do once there. And so you still got to mind your P's and Q's when entering the combat zone. It's not like, hey, I'm going to be big badass. Well, these guys are ready for you. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, the combat zone may be chaotic, but it is anything but anarchy. Like, there are rules, there are gangs, and it's a big playground for those who really want to just enter and just be murder hobos, essentially. But you can do just about anything in there. And that's it really is one of the things I liked. You weren't restricted. I feel like in other RPGs, you go to town, it's very prim and proper, almost like you don't have that kind of feel to adventure with a combat zone unless you're out in the wilderness but here you have city portions that are like yeah no it's actually probably worse than the wilderness yeah no and i love you know describing and picturing the combat zone because it can always be anything and everything that you know maybe you can't you you wouldn't do in the rest of the city where like there's like cars on fire possibly or like a burned out building or like people doing drugs or somebody getting mugged on the side as you're driving by and nobody cares or like or, or like we said gangs running a part of town and you walk through and they're kind of like questioning you or staring you down or maybe someone just takes a shot off at you or something you know like it could be anything and I just I, I love the vibe of it but it's always you know the environment there the aesthetic it's always like um, you know unpredictable and just uh, somewhat chaotic in its clutter, you know, because that's where all, a lot of the rundown buildings are. There's no like city programs to help fix the streets and buildings out there. It's 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 just fucked up, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can even actually build that in the campaigns of yeah, we're gonna rebuild the combat zone one square at a time. And like there are some good areas of the combat zone, like they talk about guardian gangs and people yeah. who are trying to do good, but. You can turn that into a sandbox bar, with anything you want. Were one of them, you know? Yeah, not and, everybody in the combat they're... zone is bad guys. Some of them have no other choice but to be there. It's, you know, they, they are left with no other option but to go to these combat zones to try to eke out some sort of a survival or living. Yeah, when we were going over gangs and had that, that episode just recently... And we were talking about the sort of equivalent of the guardian angels of gangs in Night City, like the Sixth Street Brawlers, like they talk about that in the 2077 book and stuff. But um, there's there's a few of them. And, and I do kind of picture that, like there could be a section in the combat zone maybe where like, you know, there's a community uh, playground for the kids or garden or some shit they're trying to do. Obviously, it's <laughs> pathetic, but, you know, they're trying and like. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're putting new paint on fucking rubble buildings and shit and, like, trying to rebuild stuff. But it's like, I don't know. I still picture it, like, well, lacking okay. the funds and shit to really well, here, reconstruct Well, here's one of the things. Like, a good example is you look at, Unless like, it's mob the uh, control. slum cities. You can see mobs coming in and taking it. Uh, well, like, one of the good examples, you look at the, I think, uh, Flavillas in, like, South America and Mexico, these complete shanty towns. But they have, but they, you do see, so you see gardens, you see the right. gangs and the, they're sort of, they act as sort of yeah. the political entities of those. Yeah, they're keeping the Mexican keeping mafia people. out and shit, you know? Yeah. It's like <laughs> there are different tiers of power, but people are still living in them. And I feel comfortable, as comfortable as I can. Right, right. Like realizing, like they're putting their trust in these gangs, but even though they're sort of either working for them or just sort of being bullied, but they can sort of live a semi-normal life almost. Yeah. And one thing about where I grew up in, it wasn't the combat zone in the cyberpunk sense. It wasn't the best area, you know, we did have to dodge a few, you know, when you hear something go pop, 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 but you knew that the people who lived there were, for the most part, good people. There was only that small element that were bad, and unfortunately, they were so bad that 
even though they were a smaller number, they could control an entire area. Like you can yeah. hold off an entire crowd of people with a guy with a single gun with a single bullet because nobody wants to be the one catch that bullet. Right. Fear is a very powerful force multiplier. Yeah. But it's like one of the interesting things I always thought I really enjoyed about Cyberpunk twenty twenty, what it did was the home of the brave and the land of the free books that came out, I think. Love those. Because you not only saw what Night City was in the world of Cyberpunk, it talked about all the cities, like a good chunk of the cities, the regions, and how they adapted and changed. So even if you never wanted to play Cyberpunk in Night City, you could play it in Ohio or right. probably like Mississippi or one of these other cities that was still around, and it had a backstory to it. Yeah. And I think cool. that opened up a lot of doors for people that want to try it. Exactly. I mean even if they don't go into depth and they don't go into depth about every city, but they give enough of the feel of the area, the region, as you say, that, okay, we're going to play in Maryland, my state. Yeah. And we have enough here where we can mold something. We can, you know, take it from night city and bring it to Baltimore. And there's enough in those source books that you can do that. Yeah. No. Yeah, and the, think... the other thing I, I really like is, uh, as far as environments and vibe and just setting a mood is like, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be combat zone. Of course it, they, you know, they're easily put there, but they can also be in some back room or hidden underground or something is like the night markets. Oh yeah. Those are great. I love they the vibe of up, that shit. They can spring up anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the night markets, there's, a lot of influence from like from the Eastern Asian markets. And I think that bled over here really well. Like I haven't got a chance to visit any of the ones in LA when I was living there, but I wish I had just to sort of feel that excitement. <laughs> but no, I love in cyberpunk how the night markets and, and midnight markets, you know, a step up a bigger, even more dangerous, maybe mob oriented version of a night market. But I love the vibe of it being like, you know, a black market flea market, if you will, like kind of underground illegal shit, but flea market vibe. I always picture it, obviously, that's because how, they come and go, but like tents, that's how, that's booths how, and always, shit like that's that. How was. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. No, that's how I always felt about it. It's like, I just imagine myself in a flea market. Yeah. Like it's all it's tents just, and booths and shit. And like everything's just shantily set up real quick because, you know, they, they break it down and take off when the night's over or whatever, you know, but. Or they get raided. <laughs> right. No, but I love the vibe of that. Night markets and midnight markets and all that shit. Like, it just has that that great criminal vibe to where you can always slip in that, that slight touch of anxiety and danger, even though they're, you know, the party's there just to shop, maybe. Maybe it's an in-between thing, but it can always develop into something because there's always, like, dangerous fuckers there, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a great place for player hooks to start, plot hooks and such. It's yeah. Like it's a great in-between. No, especially, like, you know, and we've talked about this before, like, when players want to get, you know, and I've had it in my game where players want to get, you know, extremely dangerous weapons or exotics or something, you know, and it can always lead to, like, a nice little side mission, like, oh, I can source that, but you got to go here, you got to do this, or talk to my boy over in this part of town on this day, and, like, you know, you can always do fun shit with that and, and lead off into some side thing and see where it, where it goes, you know? Well, I think I read 
that's probably going to be really important because everything is sort of so scarce now. It's not like it was in 2020 where you had corporations producing everything and then some. Right. Now the games have changed. It's like you want this kind of rifle. Well, you can get it. Finding ammo is a whole other story, though, because no one produces that anymore. Yeah. No, I think, and, and speaking of Red, like, I am so excited for that environment because, and we're starting, you know, anybody listening, go to youtube.com slash mulligan live uh, this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, weekly, we'll be running two teams, but I'm so excited to dive into Red because, you know, just like that, like, I, I picture, you know, everything kind of rising, hustle and bustle because of the construction and life getting back into the city and everyone's cutthroat, the neocorps, everyone's just trying to get back into life and, you know, claim their spot, you know, but I, I picture it blanketed in this fucking red, filthy vibe, the skies, and it just has a, I don't know, like a slightly more dangerous vibe and everything is scarce. So it's, you know, everything within it has like a sub level of danger to it. Because like you said, like you can't just run to the store and get something anymore, you know? So everything just and has this scared. other layer of fucking danger and adventure to it. Uh, it's just awesome. Right. Because scarcity adds another element. It's like when you can't find it, as you say, you know, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to bust your ass and you may have to deal with some people that you would not have normally had to deal with if you could just go to the mall and buy it yourself. <laughs> right. And that's not to say, you know, there's still rebuilding, uh, you know, malls and shops and things. And, and, you know, they're rebuilding factories, corporations are rising up and there is new stuff happening, but there's still a lot of shit that isn't. And there's still a lot of old tech and things and things that are missing. And like, you know, nomads are, are still, they're running all the transportation. So shit is still dangerous to get from, you know, one city to another or one factory to a different city or whatever. So it's still, even with, the rise of new factories and new life and construction. Like it's not going back to like stone age by any means, you know, it's still fucking dark future and cybernetics and all that great shit. But within that, even the shit that's available is hard, you know, or that's being made new, let alone not new, that scarcity of it is still difficult to get because you know, there's still that element of like a factory in some other city or town or out, out in a certain district. And it still has to get to you or to, to some other factory to be, put with some other item to become the item you need to buy. And then it has to get transported to the the few shops that'll sell it in your city. And you know what I mean? Like there's just so much more to it now. I, I, I feel right. Right. Cause there is no more Amazon prime. <laughs> right. Exactly. right. Right. This is the era of yeah, mom speaking, and pop cyberware shops. Yeah. And you just tapped into it. You know, there, there's no fucking internet, you know, the, the whole net running thing, the internet, the data crash shit happened. And like, that that's a great thing to bring up, you know, and I think that adds to it, you know, so there's no, there's no level of connectivity on the internet. You don't have that feeling anymore. Like everything is a little more raw, even though it's future, you know? What yeah. I mean? that, there is an internet, but it is just so restricted to right. the, the, uh, the elite that it is just, it doesn't almost exist anymore. No, exactly. Like, like there's been hint of that. Like you, you read about it and you've seen it like in some of the live play too, that, that I've seen with uh, Mike Pondsmith running a game and stuff. So I've picked up on these things and I can't wait till they elaborate in the full red uh, release, you know, but yeah, there is, a, there, there still is like a rebuild of this net. That's just kind of this exclusive high end, almost like a court resource probably. But um, but it is coming back. You know, everything's being rebuilt, and you see that clearly because look at what's going on in 2077. You know, it's almost like 
Red was an, a great rebirth where it can get back to grimy and, and, and increase the danger in, the, in everything, you know, make it more cutthroat and fucked up. But then you have this great space from like 2045 up to 2077 where now it goes back into like extreme diversity. You know, the skies are kind of clearing up a little. I mean, it's still polluted and fucked up, but they're not fully <laughs> red. You know what I mean? And like there's no more like sludge wash offs and stuff, I, I imagine. And it's it's. It's just technology has advanced that many more years. Look how nomads have evolved into a gang now, you know? Like, things have completely changed. But I picture 2077, like, the the environments are closer to sci-fi in my mind. Hey, Rob, you know? something about the uh, nomads turning into the gangs. I was looking through the uh, world book of the Jumpstart. They actually talk about that, the nomads breaking, some of the nomads breaking off and right. becoming uh, gangs. So it yeah, sort of does start up in red. Yeah, we mentioned that in the, in the timeline episode, I believe. But it wasn't fully like how it was described in that world book when we got to that section of it. Like when we got to that point, it was like full on. Um, it was like no, there. It seemed like there was no more like nomads. Like all nomads were, yeah. were just back to like all of them are just different gangs, with the exception of that huge one. I forget the family name or whatever. That that probably Aldecados. That was it. Um, but you know what I mean? So like, but anyways, anyways, my point is I feel like environment wise going into 2077, you're going back to that 2020 vibe, but with even newer tech and more modern shit. You know what I mean? Like, cause face it, it's been that, that far, farther into the future and that, that far from the rebuild that started during red. Yeah. It's just cyclic storytelling It's like when, when an empire falls, you have that dark ages and then you have the new era of the new empires. Yeah, and well, probably I'm, something will be twenty-seven-seven to fall down yeah. again. Could we consider red to be like the new industrial revolution? Everything's collapsed, yeah. and now we're just trying to build it back up again. Totally, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, but I love the uh, the vibe of it. But as far as environments, out of all of these, when I think when I picture twenty twenty, like how how the world is that there or night city let's just get specific you know the night city area and surrounding wastelands and whatever um and then i picture the uh in, environment in in like uh vibes in red with like the the post toxic fallouts and just the reek building and construction and neocorps rising and all that sort of turmoil going on in the way that travel and internet is rebuilding and re happening or i don't know how to word it but um and then going into 2077, you know, the, the vibe of that, which is has that 2020 vibe, but even more into the future and more from the rebuild. And I picture e- even probably more diverse in the way in the way that uh, the drastic um, districts are and stuff. But we'll see, you know, when it gets there, but just going by the art book out of all of them, red is definitely my favorite. It just it seems the most like dangerous and filthy and just intense to me right now yeah i am very eager to see uh what it has to offer not only the core book but the supplemental books i yeah yeah no no strictly speaking environment and all that you know let's not let's not get into to rules and everybody has preferences of that i'm strictly we're just strictly talking environments aesthetics and vibe and shit you know yeah what were you gonna say phil what what, what were you gonna say phil what was that phil sorry I'll say I'm not a big rules guy. The oh, rules oh. are for me, you know, secondary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like going on what you're saying about how red is. I That makes you feel like it looks at it as like 
red is the cyberpunk version of like the great depression you're gonna have these right. that's that's really what it does feel it like is. to me it's like and i'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with it like i'm really want to get into that lore that phil was talking about and i'm really hoping that we get some more well, of those to... like source books that really go into the rest of the world yeah yeah well i plan you know i've got an interview set up with Jay from Art Halsorian Games. We had some issues this just the other day. We, we, we were supposed to do it, but there was just so many connectivity issues and fucked up shit going on. I think it's the heat wave that's going on here in Cali. They're doing the rolling blackouts, and the internet connection has been fucked up on and off throughout the day. But we rescheduled it, um, so hopefully next Saturday it'll be smoother, and we'll be doing that interview. And, and that's definitely um, you know on the plate. We're going to fucking dive into that and see how much info he he can release or at least talk about when it comes to that. Because I want to know, like, is there going to be obviously a new Night City source book and, um, you know, court books released a new version of like what was black uh, Morgan Blackhand's like weapon, you know, book, or is there going to be like an elaborate Night City Midnight Market book that they're putting out and that black Chrome book that they've talked about putting out, is that going to be just like a Chrome one or two or three or four, or is it going to be like, the ultimate black Chromebook that's going to be like all of them combined with the old shit, but revised to work in red in addition to new shit. And like, are they going to put out something to where you can translate and easily uh, bring some 2020 stuff into it or, you know, what's going to be compatible and how are they handling that? Is there going to be a, a new map of night city, obviously that they're going to release with the red uh, core book release stuff, or is that going to be a separate source book sort of thing? Or, you know, I, all these questions. You know, I'm just excited about all that shit, too. <laughs> is there anything I forgot with yeah. that? I just want to make sure, because when that interview happens, I want to make sure I ask him everything, you know? <laughs> I, think, mm, I think that, that covered a lot. I think I covered it. <laughs> yeah. It's everything yeah. we all want, you know? And I'm sure they're going to do it, you know? Like, it's just going to take that, time. That entire interview is just going to need an NDA. Right. <laughs> it's going like, to be nothing but beeps and blacked out words and shit. Like, you, you're not really going to get to listen to it. It's going to be so redacted. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I think if we're tactful, you know, like just like how they said with Red, you know, they gave us an advanced copy of Red rule books. And like they said, you know, use it. You can stream live with your players and everything. Just when you go over rules or, or talk about things, don't read it directly from the book or get into specifics. Don't release any of that because of the fact it's still beta. You know, things might change by the time they release it. And they're trying to protect their IP right now, too. So... I totally understand that. So I think I can be tactful enough with him during the interview to, you know, go over these things or at least see if it's in the plans or in the works sooner or later. And some of uh, the general idea of them without diving into the details that steps on toes or or presses on their IP too much. You know what I mean? Good, good. We got to put a lot of your points into uh, social skills there, Rob. Yeah. It's going to, and some luck points too. Social skills are definitely important. I need... Uh, human perception. I need socializing conversation. I need a lot of luck points. <laughs> <laughs> hey, luck points are probably the one thing that kept most of my characters alive. Yeah, I think it was on the, the last couple game games that, or the last uh, game that we ran when we were doing our 2020 Red Hybrid for your team and the other team. Um, everyone was just getting saved by luck on that last game. It seemed like it was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, luck plays a big role, and I'm so glad about it now. Yeah. So, hey, was there any other environments that we didn't go over that are that are kind of crucial to cyberpunk that we should talk about? I mean, one thing I, I always love is, and especially with Red, I mean, 
but in 2022, like it rains a lot. I always, you know, aside from like dirty, but I always picture it like things are nothing's ever really dry and nice unless it's an unusually really hot day, in which case it's like I think Phil was talking about this with me earlier about being sweaty and the armor and shit like that. The horrible uncomfortableness. Right, because armor is hot and it's heavy. And even if you assume lighter weight materials, you're not going to be jogging around in that stuff all day getting into firefights because well, guess what you're gonna pass out yeah or or, I've had or, to carry or after you in horrible places or after you do all that and then you try to walk into a diner or socialize or persuade somebody nice or whatever you're like you got to remember you're probably there sweaty and grimy and you know have a little bit of bo and stuff if you haven't had time to clean up yet so i think those details are kind of important in the environment um, and, yeah, it's definitely on a GM side, remembering these things and incorporating it into gameplay. But I think, you know, more and more details matter when it comes to environment and shit like that. And I think that was a good point that you brought up, Phil, is because uh, it's not just the environment around you, like the rain, the heat and all that. But then directly incorporating it into like a player's persona at that moment, you know, or their uh, I don't want to say hygiene, but you know what I mean? Like just their, yeah. their being, you know what I mean? Like an, an environment can affect that. And then you got to play that in, you know? Exactly. Cause you know, it's really cool. Hey, as you say, you know, I'm trying to be social and I smell like a sewer. Right. You know, then you got like, a, you got to, you got a negative mod. You got to make sure you negative mod that role, you know, and tell them like, dude, you, you, you're kind of <laughs> stinky right now. So you're getting like a negative four on this one, you know, like, <laughs> and you're like, all right, wait, wait, I'm not going to talk to me yet. Is there a nearby store? I'm going to get some deodorant or, okay, there's some flowers. Let me rub that on me. Or like, oh, quickly eat some, ask somebody for some gum for my breath. Or like, you know, they got to think about that shit a little. And yeah, doing a skill check to brush teeth. Yeah, yeah skill that check. Adds another, that adds another layer, layer of kind of, I realism to the game it's like oh i've got to actually worry about how well not you worry make them, but i have to consider you know what my character's breath smells like or yeah and you make them roll for that feel. shit you make them roll for that shit for brushing and flossing and they crit fail so now their gums are bleeding and they get a negative four to all conversations <laughs> well 2020 did a good job of that <laughs> they brought in what the first time i ever saw wardrobe as a skill check yeah yeah. Yes. and i've actually used that believe it or not I will have my players, depending on where they're going, you know, check and see if oh, what yeah. they're wearing is appropriate for that place. And if it's not, they'll get negatives to whatever roles they're trying to, you know, perform. Yep. Now, I think those details matter. And again, that's like, it's cool because it takes the environment and doesn't just make it a cool vibe or aesthetic or something that helps make it more immersive or something the players can picture and feel, but it also becomes an interactive thing it actually becomes part of the play when you have it affect um you know the players and what they're doing i think that's really cool you know mm-hmm. but yeah are there any other environments other than me bringing up the rain any other sort of cool things that like you well, always think about with cyberpunk or night city and shit i think uh an environment i think is always sort of hard to do is the orbital ones like going in the space yeah i've I never think those played, are hard to do it's funny i've never I, ran or played with that sort of shit yet um yeah because i feel like it's if you're going to do a cyberpunk in space it becomes just so sci-fi. hard not to be sci-fi yeah yeah i feel that too and i think probably the best recommendation is like i watched some of the expands and i think that is sort of that yeah. sets a good foundation and alta carbon too of yeah, doing yeah. cyberpunk in a like space type setting of like you have to break it down yeah you may be in space but you still have those tier classes and 2020 i think even in the first few books 
like one of them was based in space of the 2013 expansions. Yep. The, the original one was called Near Orbit. The second one was called Deep Space because, you know, they were pushing further out into the solar system. And they, again, as you mentioned, alt, uh, not Alter Carbon, but um, The Expanse. That, for me, feels so much like cyberpunk in space. I mean, you, you've got magnetic boots because there is no artificial gravity unless you're in a spinning torus. But outside of that, you're just locked down in these gravity uh, magnetic boots that keep you from, you know, bumping your head into things. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I think it was what like twenty, like like um, for twenty twenty in this timeline, like the the orbitals, like the spacefarers, they've played such a big role of sort of shaping the government, shaping everything. And I think Ponsmith was talking about it in the interview that like the outriders, which are Red's new one or the new group that controls all the space travel, that's going to be like one of the first three books released for the expansions. So I think that the out this outer space is going to play a bigger role than it has for a while. Yeah, it has in the game, but I guess no one's actually well, not no one. I know no one in my group has ever asked, "Hey, can we go out into space?" Because in all the years I've been running it, I have actually never taken my players into space, and I would actually like to. Yeah, I've never done that either. It's never really interested me, but I think that, like Eric said, I think uh, Pondsmith has hinted to some things with that, so I'm curious to see what kind of what kind of shit they're going to drop in, and I could totally see them doing that because it just, it, you know, it would expand what they're doing so much, but I don't see it happening right away with Red. Um, oh, no, no, because remember, you know, right. the corporations are the ones who are in charge of getting you up there and they've been pretty much you know well it's all cutthroat rebuilding and neo you know f making sure that the ones that were there can stay there and compete with the neocorps that are cutthroat coming up taking over you know well, yeah but i think uh in red the new faction the outriders they're sort of separate from all the corps but their ties are closest to the nomads of like so it's a whole nother beast now with the space travel and i think we lost phil yeah i think we did um but yeah, well, we I was going to wrap up here anyways in a minute. You know, I think, we, I think we covered pretty much all the environments and stuff. And I think, uh, you know, when it comes to the space environment, that's one we're going to have to wait and see kind of, we're going to have to wait and see, you know, kind of how that, how that plays out and how they describe it. But I have a feeling that's going to take a back burner, at least during the initiation of Red and what's going on, just because of how disruptive the... Uh, society and corporations and life is during red. I think it's going to take a while, but, um, but yeah, I think we covered all the fucking vibes and, and parts of the city and the general cyberpunk <laughs> night city, dark dystopian, futuristic, you know, high tech, low life environments. I think we covered all of them. Uh, did we miss any, any, anything else, any last words that we need to punch in there for the environments? I don't, I don't think we missed anything. I mean, there's possibilities, but I don't, Think we missed anything how about you eric you think we missed anything uh the only thing i can think of which would probably make an entire podcast on its own is like actual battlefields in the cyberpunk world but i think that's a whole nother subject we could do an entire conversation on yeah no definitely and that's and you know battlefields is just really that that can be taken into any environment honestly so you know that's its own beast i guess in itself yeah that's not real you know I think we covered it as far as environment, aesthetics and vibes and all that stuff. 
I think we covered, uh, you know, all of them. If we missed anything, anybody listening, uh, please comment, send us a message, let us know. Um, that'd be awesome. And also please consider sharing this podcast. Go to youtube.com slash mulligan live and subscribe. We do, uh, you know, weekly live gameplay there. Join the cyberpunk uncensored group on Facebook, uh, Instagram, like the fan page, just try to show us some love. You know, we're doing the podcast and the and the games and all this shit because we have a serious passion for cyberpunk. We love this shit. So, you know, we're going to do it no matter what, but we would really appreciate the support. You know, we're trying to build up the community. We want more players, more GMs, more content. We just want more cyberpunk. So if you feel the same way, please show us some love. We would really appreciate that. Any last words, guys? Uh, I can't wait till the next session. Well, I am eager to get every, uh, all the cyberpunk fans to come on over to our side. And what I'm hoping is that 2077 introduces more people to cyberpunk and we can draw them back onto the tabletop. Oh, yeah. No, I, I believe that is going to happen. I mean, obviously not widespread because a lot of people into video games maybe won't cross over to tabletop. But I think there is definitely going to be a percentage of people that love the open world aspect of the game because that's what is making that shit so popular it's that open world vibe and um i think a a lot of those people are going to realize like holy shit like the the role-playing game the tabletop like that's the ultimate uh open world you know there is no fucking limitation so i i think it will i think it will most definitely help get us more players more gms and just more everything's just starting to grow and uh really starting to blow up again I, i i love it so um yeah, just positive vibes with all that and hopeful thinking. Let's let's all hope that it just keeps going. Um, Fingers Yeah, exactly. And everybody listening, you know, like I said, show us some love. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care, everyone. See ya.